shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel will he turn to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 14 through 25. You will note that the angel Gabriel does most of the speaking in this passage as he spoke to Zechariah the priest in the temple. And Dr. Mitchell will be looking at this prophecy from the angel Gabriel concerning the son who would be born to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. There are several things said about this boy whose name would be John. And Dr. Mitchell goes on to look at the results of this forthcoming ministry of this man, John the Baptist, as told by the angel. Now, do you ever pray to the Lord, and when he answers, you have doubts about it? Well, Zechariah did. He wondered about how this birth could come about given their old age. Well, let's find out with Dr. Mitchell in Luke chapter 1, verses 14 through 25, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We're in the first chapter of the Gospel through Luke, and I hope very sincerely that you folk are, are listening in and you are reading the Gospel through Luke. I have suggested that you read it over and over and over again. I hope that you, some of you will do this. I hope all of you can do it. But Mr. Mitch, I'm just too busy Listen, we ought not to be too busy to read the Word of God. You cannot walk with God and be obedient to the Lord without reading His Word. How can you know His will unless you read it? How can you know what your Savior is like unless you read it? And it's written right down for us by the power of the Spirit of God. And as I said a while ago in our preceding lessons, uh, Luke wrote this book, of Luke, this gospel through Luke, that you might know the certainty and the assurance of things wherein you've been instructed. We're talking about in our last lesson about Zacharias and Elizabeth living in the midst of a corrupt generation. The king on the throne was corrupt and immoral and cruel. The priests were corrupt. And the people were full of uncertainty, restlessness, Right in the very middle of it, a man by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And it's in the record that they were righteous and they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. 
And I repeat it again, I don't care what the circumstances are, you and I can walk with God if you mean business. Let us not rationalize our failures, our disobedience, because of conditions or because of culture or of circumstances. The Spirit of God living in a believer can cause us to live above our circumstances and walk with God in spite of the circumstances. And God has had his people down through the centuries who did this, even though it was they were faithful unto death, yet they enjoyed the presence of God and went out singing his praise. We were discussing this last time. This man had one opportunity in a lifetime to come in the holy place and there offer incense. And you can come at any time in the presence of God. Dear Christian friend, the door is wide open. There's no longer a barrier between you and the living God if you have taken Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And how glad I am to be, to be able to repeat this, that God so loves men and women that even you, my friend, if you've never accepted the Savior, I don't care what your condition is, God wants to save you. He wants to cleanse you from all iniquity and forgive you every sin you've ever committed. He wants to make you a new man, a new woman in Christ. See, how can this happen? By you personally coming and accepting as a definite proposition, you accept Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your own personal Savior. I'll guarantee that you'll pass from death to life. I'll guarantee you a divine forgiveness. I'll guarantee you'll be transformed from a child of wrath into a child of God. My, what a salvation. What a Savior we have. And then to have access into his presence day by day. Now let's look at the announcement to this man, Zacharias. We've been dealing with the promise of the forerunner in verses 5 to 25. Now we come down to verses 13 down through verse 17. Let me read it again. The angel said to him, that is, Gabriel, the messenger of God, the one who stands in the presence of God, had come right down from the very throne of God down through the heavens to a man in a building in Jerusalem. Zacharias, Zacharias, fear not. Your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Now, we were speaking of this. The encouragement to Zechariah that this boy to be born was to be called John, and he would be greatly used of the Lord and bring great joy into many, many lives. Now, verses 15 to 17, we have this question of John the Baptist. Now, remember, their prayer was heard. It's going to be answered. They're going to have joy. They're going to have a boy. Verse 15, And this boy shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel will he turn to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let me just stop here. Here is a man by the name of John the Baptist who's going to be born 
of this man Zachariah and Elizabeth. And notice what the angel Gabriel said. This boy, this son, who's going to be called John, is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Ah, that's, that's the great thing, isn't it? That's the important thing. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. It doesn't say how he's going to stand before men. That's neither here nor there. I would much rather be great in the sight of the Lord and not known by man than to be a great man in the sight of the world and not know God. You know, I'm talking to a great many people. And possibly some of you folk listening in would like to be great before the world. Empty husks. I was just thinking the other day, and speaking of it, this dear, allow the, 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 the digression for a moment, just speaking of this one thing, great in the sight of the Lord. You know, a little woman one time, a widow, just dropped in two little mites in the temple treasury. Nobody saw her do it but the Lord Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes and the rich, they were throwing in gold and silver. In the eyes of men, these rich people, they put a lot of money into the temple. The widow, just two little pieces of copper. I'll tell you, my friend, those two pieces of copper became gold in the sight of God. And the gold that was thrown in by the rich was dross, just dust to God. I wonder, I wonder, Here's a man who's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. I would rather your son and daughter be great in the sight of the Lord and be nothing before men than to be great before men and be nothing, nothing before God. Oh, let's get our, let's get our lines straight on this. It's so easy for us to sacrifice our children to the world instead of to God. The great need today, and I say very bluntly, the greatest need today are for men, men of God, men who know God personally and be able to carry God's message to this generation. Our country, our world needs men of God. Believe it, my friend. We Christians in this, in this land of America, we ought to be praying constantly on our faces before God for our country, for our leaders. Oh, that God would visit America with an outpouring of his spirit. That tens of thousands may come to know the Savior, but first that his own people might be brought into a relationship and a fellowship with God where they not be concerned about men as far as standing is concerned, but rather to be faithful, to be great in the sight of God and do his bidding. This is what you have here. Then the second thing about John is he's going to be, he's going to drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now I take it by that he's going to be a, he's going to be a Nazarite. Now you remember the Nazarites were those in Israel who were dedicated to God. They, uh, they manifested their life of separation unto God. And this is what you have here with John the Baptist. He's going to be a man not only great before God, but he's going to be a separated man. He's not going to de depend upon, upon things of the flesh to do things. He's going to neither drink wine nor strong drink. He's a Nazarite. 
The third thing is he's going to be filled with the Spirit of God from his mother's womb. He's going to be a man set apart for God and filled with the Spirit of God. I tell you, my Christian friend, that's what we need today. Men, great in the sight of God, men who were separated unto God, and men who were filled with the Spirit of God. Watch the footage of it. Verse 16, And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. This is the effect, the footage of his ministry. The result of his ministry which is a ministry by the Spirit of God, going to bear footage, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And when we come to chapter, to chapter 3, when John comes on the scene, giving his message, you remember, he preaches moral, moral fitness for the coming of the king. And a great many of the children of Israel will he turn to the Lord their God. He's going to be usable in the hands of God. And, and I can expect that. Even today, if a man is filled with the Spirit of God, is separate unto God, he's not going to live in the lust of the flesh. He's going to be usable in the hands of the Spirit of God in the lives of a great many people. Oh, will you Christians pray the Lord will give us a great many young men in these days who will be separated unto God, men filled with the Spirit of God, men filled with the Word of God, abandoned to the will of God. It's what, we, it's what our generation needs all over the world. We need young men, men of God. You can pray for this. In fact, the Lord exhorts us to pray the Lord of the harvest, to thrust forth laborers into his harvest field. There's a harvest to be gathered in. The laborers are few. Why? Because we need men filled with the Spirit of God, separated unto God, and hence are usable, as you have it in verse 16. And then in verse 17, how he ministers. How is this man going to minister? This man who was separated, this man who was filled with the Spirit of God, he's going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, when you think of Elijah, of course, you think of his miracles. Tell me something. Did John perform any miracles? Not that I know of. Do you know that staggered me? When you and I think of Elijah, we think of a man who shut the heavens and he closed the heavens and he opened the heavens, raised a man from the dead. He was God's mighty, mighty man for the day. Never saw death, was translated into the very presence of God. One of the greatest men of the Old Testament, Elijah. He also lived in a time of, de of spiritual declension and moral corruption. A wicked king was on the throne, just like you have it in this chapter. God always has a man. My friend, God will always have men in times of spiritual declension and moral corruption. God raises up men. That's why I'm asking you to pray. The conditions today demand men of God. 
This man was filled with the Spirit of God and went in the spirit and power of Elijah. A man, if I may quote from the first verse of the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, Elijah the Tishbite, this man who was raised, taking care of sheep, stalked into the presence of King Ahab, an idolatrous king, an immoral man on the throne of Israel, who had declared that if anybody talked about Jehovah, he would be killed. And this man, Elijah, walked right into the very presence of this murderer of prophets and said, Listen, Ahab, Jehovah, before whom I stand, the heavens will be closed at my word. He is a man who stood alone. In fact, he thought he was the only man God had on earth standing for him. He wasn't, but he thought he was the only man God had. You remember in Romans chapter 11, we read that the word of God came to him and said, I've got 7,000 who have never bowed the knee to Baal. But he thought he was alone. It may be you feel you're alone. Mr. Mitchell, I'm standing alone for God where I am. Then, brother, Stand. You're honored. You're privileged to stand for God and stand alone. That's the kind of man God wants, to stand right where you are. This man, John the Baptist, who was beheaded because of his stand, he was filled with the Spirit, separated unto God. He went in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to make ready a people prepared for God. He prepared for the coming of the Lord. And just as John was a messenger to his generation, preparing people for the coming of the Lord, we ought to be his messengers today because the Lord is at hand too. The Lord's going to return back again the second time. And before he comes, there's going to be a time of judgment, a time of, of a world under the power of Antichrist. What God wants are men, women, will stand. In these days, even though it means and may mean martyrdom, it may mean suffering, but God give us men, God give us men and women today stand for God. Now, starting in at verse 18, and running through verse 23, you have the effect of the message upon Zacharias. You notice? and be smitten dumb. And Zechariah said in verse 18, How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well stricken in years. You promised me a son who's going to go before the coming of the Lord? You mean that my boy is going to be the fulfiller of Malachi chapter 4? You ever stop to think of it? The very last, the very last word of the Old Testament, before you come into Matthew, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. And then he got 400 silent years, 400 years without a prophet, 400 years without a revelation. And right out of the blue, apparently, Gabriel, a messenger of God, came down to this man, Zechariah, and his wife, and said, you're going to have a boy. You're going to call him John. He's going to be filled with the Spirit of God from the time he was born. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be a separated man. 
He's going to be used to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. How can I know this? Oh, oh, how can I know it? You know, it's just like us. We plead with God. We plead with God. And when God answers, we don't, we can't believe the answer. So God gave him a sign. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Stand in the presence of God. I am sent to speak to you, to show you these glad tidings. And behold, you will be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. All right, Zacharias, I'll give you a sign. You're going to be dumb. I'm going to prove to you, Zacharias, it's going to take place. Now, this took a lot of faith on Zacharias' part. Don't misunderstand me. He's an old man. His wife is old. And they've been praying for years for a boy. Now, they're going to get a boy. As far as natural means are concerned, they say, well, it's too late. It's too late. I've come right from the very presence of God, said Gabriel, to tell you this. You're going to have a boy. He's going to go before the Messiah. He's going to make his way straight. And I'm Gabriel. And now listen, Zechariah, you're going to be dumb, not able to speak until the day that these things be performed. Why? Because you believe not my words. Well, I can tell you, my friend, it would be hard for me to believe it if I were in Zechariah's shoes. Gonna be, I like the tenderness of God. You're going to be dumb for, for nine months until this whole thing happens. You're going to be dumb. Not able to speak to anybody. Oh, how he could spend time with the Lord. And the people waited for Zacharias. I'm reading verse 21. The marvel that he tried so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. There was something about this man's face when he came out. They recognized he'd been in the presence of God. Oh, Christian friend, when you and I come out of the presence of God, do we reveal something of the tenderness and compassion and love and grace of the Savior? I tell you this very frankly, that when a person has spent time in the presence of God, that's just how they will come out. They'll bear something of the glory of the one with whom they've been. Time would fail me to speak of dear Moses, how his face shone and how Stephen's faith shone, and how your life can shine for him too. Spend time in his presence. You're going right on down to the verse, the verse 25, where Elizabeth conceives, going to bear a son, and so on. Read that first chapter, will you? And we'll continue on, where you have the promise of the coming of the Lord now to Mary. An amazing, amazing chapter. Oh, read it, will you? And reread it and come into his presence today. Do that today, will you? Oh, so often my own life and purity. 
you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.